Welcome to Corporate Podcasting Smarter. For business communications, training, and marketing, Corporate Podcasting Smarter is for enterprise-level and professional organizations and is an official podcast from Podbean. We feature interviews with industry experts, learning and development use cases, podcast network advertising best practices, and helpful tips for how to get the most out of podcasting within your organization or media network. Hello, and welcome back to Corporate Podcasting Smarter. This is a rebroadcast of one of our live events, How to Produce a Podcast Like the Pros, featuring special guest Rob Sanchez from Mouth Media. On this episode, we'll get into what the difference is between professional-level production and being an amateur in today's media landscape, what equipment people can buy, the value of hiring a team, getting clear on what you want to say, the value of businesses to have a podcast, and so much more. Stay tuned, and here we go. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of Podcasting Smarter. My name is John. I am the head of marketing here at Podbean, and thank you so much for joining us for what I'm going to say is going to be one of my favorite interviews because I love to speak to different people across the podcasting industry, but I'm excited to introduce to you Rob of Mouth Media. Rob, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Now, before we begin, uh, one of the reasons I said that this is probably going to be one of my favorite interviews that I've done is I'm sure that's going to become evident as we speak through uh, a bit of the content about Mouth Media. But before we begin, I want to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself and tell our listeners and viewers a little bit about what Mouth Media is and about a little bit about your background. Sure. So I guess I'll go back to why we started Mouth Media and then kind of go from there because it'll give a little bit of context about who we are and what we do. Um, So we actually started out as a way to meet people and connect with people in the fashion industry. So if you go all the way back, um, uh, one of us, uh, Charles Beckwith, had a show, uh, American Fashion Podcast. He and I were talking. I was leaving a a company where I was running a co-working space for fashion designers and uh, leaving that company and looking to increase my network. And he said, well, why don't you start a podcast? Um, so I, I got together a couple people. Um, Pavan and I um, decided to start Fashion Is Your Business. And then that night, I ran into Mark Rako at a co-working event. So we all sat down, recorded, loved it. And so we started out as a show that was just about building relationships. Um, we, if you fast forward from there, we, we started to build a consultancy. We decided to pivot into a podcast network. Um, but from the beginning, our purpose was connecting with people, building relationships. So um, over the years, we've had quite a few different shows. We've done quite well with those shows, but that always stayed true to, to home. And so now what we're doing is building podcasts for other people so that they can connect. And then um, we still have shows that are active in industries where we want relationships or where we have hosts who want relationships. Um, We uh, also started, um, as we grew, we met a lot of people who needed podcasts and started offering services to them. So we began to do internal podcasts for major corporations. And we um, added something called Story Dots, where we're doing uh, QR codes that trigger to um, uh, podcast stories. Uh, so, so we have art galleries that use our story dots um, 
and they use them for things like accessibility and ADA compliance. And then we have art galleries that use them as well. So we've we've sold over $150,000 in arts off the street of New York from QR codes and, and <laughs> podcasts. And, um, and then we also now, with the pandemic and with all the shifts that are happening, we've started going into courses and webinars and things like that. So moving outside of that realm a little bit. But, you know, we started out using podcasts to have a reason to sit down across from somebody and have a really good conversation. Um, and the goal was always like, leave that as friends. So we, we built all of the shows with that in mind. I love that you have the element with your podcasting about creating connections, right? A lot of the times we think about podcast as a lot of the times kind of like a one way street where we have our podcast. And even if it's an interview, a lot of the times what happens is you interview somebody and then you have on the listener side somebody who listens to it, digests the content. And in that way, it's very one way. But when you're talking about conducting interviews, especially for people who are using podcasts for a company branded podcasts, use public facing content or for internal communications, the ability to connect with another person and the ability to grow that relationship through the podcast can't be understated. Yeah. That 100%. Yeah, we've, we found that if you structure the interview right and your purpose is like being there and listening, if you think of yourself as a listener advocate instead of a, like a host the way you would on TV, um, you can build a really strong relationship really quickly. And uh, we, like we've, we've found over the years that people that we interviewed in like three, four years ago, I can call them up now and, and connect with them and, and it's like a, a shared experience in time that's the basis of a relationship, even if it's like a cold outreach years later. Um, but we also have people that we interviewed that, um, you know, people that I thought were unreachable in the industry who are now are just like close friends. So it's, it's a great way to start a relationship. Certainly. And now I want to talk a little bit about how to produce a podcast like The Pros, which is kind of the overarc of our conversation today, um, both from being able to, as we're talking about here, work in a great communication uh, point, but also talk about what may differentiate professional level production from an amateur level production, because you guys also offer services in that way. So let's start with that question here. In your opinion, what differentiates professional level production from an amateur given today's media landscape? Yeah, I, I think, you know, anybody can produce a podcast and anybody can produce a good podcast. Uh, I think what differentiates maybe from the pros and so on is how committed they are to improving their craft as a host and in, improving their ability to listen. Um, and then also just the consistency of the sound and the consistency of the storytelling. Um, now, there's there's different levels of professional and different ways that people approach it. Um and there's different sounds that you go for. But overall, I think it's being consistent so that the listener knows what they're coming into every time. Definitely. Yeah, I think that what you touch on is that active listening part, too. Because when you are producing a podcast, if it's just you doing it solo, then absolutely. One of the things that you can do active listening-wise is listen to different cues that you might have. Um, a lot of the times when it's an individual podcaster, just delivering their, well, I'll call it a sermon, but more their information to their audience, right? Um, a lot of the times as you podcast, you can listen back and say, oh, okay, I noticed that, let's say if I'm trying to come up with a thought, 
I'm saying a lot of ums, I'm saying a lot of stop words and things like that. And over time, um, outside of editing, you can work to resolve that. But the active listening piece really comes in where you're talking about in the communication and interview. Even in our conversation here, I definitely have questions that we're going to get to and certainly we're going to. But even like now, we're able to stop, we're able to dive in on uh, this specific piece of content and really talk about, yeah, when you actively listen, this is something where you might not get to all your questions. You might just be having a great conversation and those poignant points that you're bringing up in that moment, you can really expand those from the seed grows to the tree. Yeah. I I had an interview a little while ago where um, in that interview, I I didn't get to any of my questions, <laughs> but it was just so fascinating that, you know, we, we got stuck and like completely sidetracked. Um, and that was the, the one nice thing about having a show is, and like be, knowing that it was going to be produced in the future and so on was that I could always go back to that guest, but I got the chance to be in that moment. And so I, I think that's kind of another thing that you can do with the show is, realize that there are going to be these moments that are just like pure gems. And if you just stay in those as a listener, as an advocate for the listener, um, then you, you don't have to stop the magic to hit a format. Um, you can always go back to that format, but you've, you've got to have that structure to start with. Um, to, to know that you can go back to it. I, I don't know if that hundred percent communicated what I was trying to, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, like there's these, like, there are, there will be moments that are just magical and then, <laughs> and then you can go back to the questions. Yeah. And then you can also have, there's nothing wrong if the, if the guest and you have a great rapport, there's nothing wrong with asking them and extending an invitation to return for a part two and part three. Yeah. You know, you may have an interview that you're like, okay, cool, with these questions, this is going to be what I want to talk about. Because a lot of the times when we reach out uh, to somebody to have an interview, we go into it saying, I want to speak to you because I want to learn this facet about you. But like you said, you may all of a sudden get to a point where you're just speaking about these different topics and it might be related to the questions that you have, but it might have gone in a little bit of a different road. And if you're able to create that relationship with that person, there's nothing wrong with coming back for episode two, episode three, and even staggering that over time. And I like that you keep using this term advocate because what you're doing with a podcast, whether you're doing it for internal comms, whether you're doing it for public facing or entertainment, whatever the case may be, when you have a guest on your show, you're giving them a platform to deliver their information or to give uh, their view on whatever it is you're looking to bring them on for and their specialty in their field. So you may get to a point where you have these 10 questions, but by being somebody who's giving them the space and the platform and responding to their views, I think you're doing a greater service to uh, showcase what that person is about and what they're trying to bring to the table with their craft or their expertise in said service. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of different things when it comes to interviewing. And the thing is that I like that we talk about is we're really talking about creating the best content possible. We can get into the gear all day, and we often do here with Podbean. I know that there's a lot of recommendations that are out there for gear, but 
really it comes down to listening to your content. It really comes down to uh, learning how to actively listen. And it comes down to there's there's podcasters out there who use maybe a hundred dollars total of gear. They use a pair of headphones that the that their phone came with. They record right into their phone and they have a growing listenership. They have people that are always coming in uh, to check out what they've got going on. So I think that yeah. there is a lot of I think that there's a lot of ways that people can not just go, okay, cool, what's the best microphone I can get for this? But how can yeah. I create the best podcast I can? And talking about that. You know, honestly, we, yeah. we started with cheap mics, like $20 Behringers, and uh, and like a, a 400-pound mixing bag. Right. Um, and we, we literally hopped from WeWork to WeWork in the conference rooms. Um, just like showed up after hours at a WeWork, had a friend let us in, and then invited the guest <laughs> to the WeWork, um, and started recording like that. Like it, it, it's fine. Um, you know the the thing I always say is like you you'll have more editing work to do, and you'll need a more professional editor to make a, a good sound out of lower quality equipment, but you can, and um, and so that's that's like. <laughs> It's better to get started than it is to wait until you have the perfect setup, or you know, if you don't have the two thousand dollars to spend on a like professional package, you can start with a twenty dollar mic and and be fine. Um, you know, I I find that I move around a lot, as you probably can see if you're seeing a video of this, and so I kind of just have defaulted. I have mics. I have nice mics. <laughs> I just don't use them. I use a, you know, a, a gaming headset um, with a boom mic because it's just easier for me to keep it in the right position. Um, so yeah. And even if you think about like anybody who's like into sports or into wrestling or things like that, watch some of the media scrums pre and post game. You're going to see a lot of fancy microphones, but you're going to see one or two people that are of notable, uh, notable um, news outlets who are holding their iPhone and they've got that little microphone on it, that little $150 microphone, and they're holding it up. And the person that's part of the sports team is talking right into it. So even from that side, just visually, you can see people yeah. rocking it out and doing great work with the bare basics of gear. Yeah. And frankly, we used the wrong microphones in our studio. Um, oh, yeah. Knowing that it would increase the amount of editing we had in the background. But it looked so good for the photos and it made the guests feel a certain way. So we opted for the wrong mics. Um, <laughs> so, you know... <laughs> It, it's interesting, but it, it you know it it looked amazing, and <laughs> you do a close up of a a person, and they feel great, and yeah. So that's just the way it goes. Well, let's dive into that a little bit too, because now I like that we're talking about okay, like you may do so, like you guys as the example use different mics because on video it looked better, and you knew that you'd have to go back and do a little bit more editing afterwards. Um, yep. For anybody who's looking to get into the editing of a podcast, one of the services that you guys provide is such. When do you think it makes sense for a podcaster or a business who's looking to get into podcasting to bring in a service such as yourself to leverage for the podcast editing and even up to the recording? Yeah, I think it kind of depends on what you're trying to do with the podcast. So if if you are a major brand you kind of don't have the leeway to get it wrong from the gate 
from the get-go, you know, like that you might have an image to uphold and, and so on. Um, where we found it really necessary is um, when we're working with a major company that has legal requirements and they um, have to have it run through the legal department to know, like, is this fine to say? Um, it, it helps to have people who are professional in the process side. Um, so there's, there's like benefits to that when you're doing an internal communication, um, a lot of in internal podcasts are frankly not great. Um, and so it helps to have people who are professional storytellers work with you so that is the content you're delivering doesn't need to be dry. You can deliver it in a way that is engaging and, and still has a story arc, but you probably aren't going to do that if you're just using guys from the IT department to get it done. Um, <laughs> we we have a, a client that um, has a professional recording studio and we come in with our kit and record out of the conference room because of interdepartmental issues. So, <laughs> you know, there, there's like, there's a lot that goes on on the inside and sometimes it's good to bring an outside team in <laughs> just to get stuff done. Um, and then, you know, overall it's... Um, if if you think about the amount of time that it takes, it's it's going to take you longer to become a great editor. Um, and if that's not already your skill set, it, it's kind of a waste of time for you to be focusing on that. So if you're producing a podcast, you really have to think about that. If you're spending an extra six to eight hours on recording um, and and editing, does it is that the best use of your time? And if you're a consultant with you know like a thousand dollar an hour clients, it probably doesn't make sense for you to spend <laughs> that time when you can go and hire somebody who can do that for you. Certainly. And I think of the podcasting solution in business, whether it's branded or internal communications, I think of it as less of, okay, bringing podcasts into your place of work and thinking about bringing an engaging communications tool, uh, either public or private facing into your place of work. And when you think about it like that, or when businesses think about it like that, sorry, I think it gives them a little bit more understanding. Okay, great. Because when you think podcast, the first thing you think of is the podcast that you love, whether it's a political yeah. show, whether it's a sports show, or whether it's an editor, whatever the case may be, you think of that. A lot of the times that comes with, oh, wow, these people are doing things with very little gear, very easy entry point. You're thinking about podcasting from the ease of the production. And I think sometimes mm -hmm. that flows into, oh, it's just super easy, barely an inconvenience to do. You know, you see yeah. all of that. And then I think what happens then is, you you know, that ducktails back into, oh, if it's so easy – then we should be able to leverage people on our team for it. They'll figure it out. And, oh, people are just going to find out about it. Okay, great. Then all of a sudden you have a podcast with after a year that doesn't get that level of engagement that you're looking for. And it's yeah. because, like you said, you maybe went into it with a different perspective on it. What I always tell people is if you know that, for example, if a company has a media team and a media division of their company, maybe it, they're probably going to be the ones to own that, just like they would any video training material, just like they would yeah. um, any other piece of content that goes out, right? The but only if, thing to be careful of there is yeah. like if their background is video – it's a, it's a completely different medium. Certainly. One of the hardest things we've, we do is retrain people who are trained for television to be on a podcast. It, it's a whole different skill set. Because if you think about it, you have to know that you can deliver a question. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm terrible at video. You have to know that you can deliver a question 
perfectly without ums and hums and haws um, while looking a certain way for an entire <laughs> clip versus right. I'm present to what the answer is. And, and it's really interesting because TV's performative and podcasts are listening. And if I was to break down the two mediums, unless you're doing like a NPR style long form or like a Night Vale type show, then um, it, it's only listening. Or I guess primarily listening. <laughs> sure. um, and, uh, and so that's like a, a key difference that we find is IT, de- I mean, not IT departments, media departments might not um, execute this well because of their backgrounds and their training. Certainly. And a lot of people will just take an audio rip of the video and maybe throw that as a podcast as much as, okay, sure, sure, that's a solution. But at the same time, like you said, it really, you're going to get the most value out of your podcast if you think of a podcast as the primarily audio medium, if that's what you're going for. Because then you're going to be able to focus in more on, like we always say, the words that someone is speaking. With video, you're having to focus on a lot more as an audience listener, You know, whether it's training or whether it's a lead generation podcast. But what you're doing with podcasting is you're having to listen more to those words. You're having to, like you said, remove more of those ums, more of those stop words, and create more of a seamless ex- auditory experience. And I think that's really important going into this understanding that, which makes sense that someone would want to bring somebody like you guys on from Mouth Media for that service. Yeah. And, yeah. And then there's way, there's a balance of... On real quick here before we oh, do that too. Go for it. Yeah. Um, I do want to touch on what you said about storytelling too, because I think that when we think about podcasting for business, we don't often think of that storytelling narrative. You know, we think of, okay, we're going to deliver information. That's what it is. And if we're doing a company uh, branded podcast where it's public facing, then it's like, okay, we're going to do an interview. But when we're doing internal communications, a lot of the times it's newsletter updates, training, things like that. But I love that you highlighted earlier about storytelling and how it can even translate into the workforce podcasts. Yeah. Um, you know, even in an interview, there's still a storytelling arc. And uh, you, you kind of need to have that in the back of your mind. So, you know, one of the things that we do is we, we have a journey for the person on the podcast. You know, as I mentioned earlier, our, our goal was to really connect with the people. Um, you know, that I, I've said sometimes, and this is maybe like uh, a little facetious, but, you know, we, our, our purpose was always relationship building. So our focus was always on the guest. And our audience got to listen in, but our focus was always on the guest. And um, what we would do is we would start out with a guest so that they could, you know, feel good about telling people about themselves. Because then we found that when we got to industry questions, they were more open. Sure. Then we talk a lot about the industry, but our our purpose wasn't to get knowledge. Our purpose was to build a relationship. So we'd always end with personal questions, and the that arc would build. So you you have a strong relationship in the beginning, so you can ask hard questions, and then you have hard questions, but that doesn't leave a good taste. So then you end with like something that's more personal so that that person feels a direct connection to you. So even in there, you're, you're building that arc. Like what's, what's my end goal and how do I construct the interview to get me to that end goal? 
um, when you're inside of a corporation, you know, one of the things that we were looking at there was um, they they have announcements to get across. But if you put those up front, people aren't going to listen to the podcast at all. And if you put them at the end, no one's going to be there. <laughs> you know, like the the drop off is going <laughs> to happen. So, like, how do you how do you incorporate that inside of this message so that people get engaged and then stay for the messages and then and so on? So, there's always like, what's the purpose? How do I deliver it? How do I use the forum to do that? Um, and how do I have a story arc? Uh, in mind as I'm building that content. Because even if you're doing free-flowing content, you still want to have that arc of the conversation. Certainly. Now, when it does come to the editing side of it, right, let's say we've got this great idea about this narrative arc that we want for our podcast. We know going into it what our purpose is, what our why is. We know we have that, right? When we talk about the podcast, though, editing is a big part of it. Uh, If somebody says, you know what, I want to take on some of that editing on my own, or let's say they bring you in and you're Mm -hmm. listening to what you just recorded, what are and what's worth the time and energy and what's too granular to make a difference in the world of editing? Yeah. So I think one of the things is that you over-editing is, is one of the worst things you can do. If you're listening to a podcast that's been over-edited, it, it sounds choppy. Um, there's, there's a speech pattern that we're comfortable with as humans. And you kind of want to edit into that. You, you forgive a lot on, on video because you have body language to compensate for it. Sure. But with audio, you're hearing, you're hearing the person. And if that person is showing up stilted, it, it kind of hits wrong. Um, so you don't want to over edit. The other thing is that you don't, it's, it's fine to have some ums. Everybody does that. Everybody starts a sentence like I just did and then switches topics in their head and, and continues on. Like that's, that's just a common thing that we do in our speech and there's room for it in the podcast. Um, but there's a point where it's distracting. So what you're trying to do is find the balance between this, this is real and this is distracting. And so that's, that's kind of the role of the editor is to, is to walk that line. Uh, the other thing that we found is if, if we have a guest editing or, or like if we're editing our own work, like if I'm, if I'm editing my work, I don't do it from the audio. I do it from the transcript. Because as a, um, as a person listening to my own voice, I'm going to be overly critical. And so that's one of the things to be careful of if you're editing your own. You may not like how your voice sounds, and your audience may not care. <laughs> and <laughs> um, in fact, sometimes the voices that we're ashamed of are the voices that people gravitate to, and they have like something special and unique about them, and, and that's kind of an important thing. Um, I know that for me, my voice always sounds tired because I have toddlers. And, <laughs> and so it, it's like... I, my listener has room for that. I don't. <laughs> um, so the, there's that side of the beginning of the episode. Just if we sound tired, we both have kids. So yep. <laughs> basically, this episode of PS. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, and you know, sleep schedules are just screwed right now. So it's it bleeds through into everything I do. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so that that's kind of the the thing. There is an editor needs to be able to balance it. And an editor is an outside voice that doesn't have the same hangups you do on how you sound. Um, 
and they're going to push back when when you try and cut and paste three words here because it would have been better at the end of the sentence and you move it here like that that's a horrible idea right. and our we have tonal shifts in the in our conversation that happen as we you know share different information and have different inflections on different words and there's a lot of information packed into the sound of the voice as it communicates and an editor's job is to make that seamless and work um, and if if you don't have an ear for it, it can be very difficult to hear, actually hear the inflections and hear the construction and know that if I'm chopping this word here, this doesn't sound right. And if I leave that word in, it does. Um, and having that ability of, um, there, there's an art to that as well. It's not just clipping ums, because if you clip an um and it clips a <laughs> like a word further on and, and so on. So there's, there's a, a bit of magic in it in that way. Certainly. And there's usually two bits of editing that I, uh, when people ask me for my opinion on how to edit their own podcast, when it comes to the stop words, when it comes to the ums, a lot of the times the way I put it is if you listen in to, especially if you're doing like an interview like this, right? If there's a long pause between ums and between the next thought or between the question and the answer, sometimes if you're able to remove those and it sounds natural, then it can make the conversation flow more. Like you said, though, if you're in the middle of a sentence and you hit an um and all of a sudden you cut off a little bit of the next word and you hear this little clip, it's distracting even more so than if you yep. just put the um in. And like you said, people do use stop words in the day-to-day -day language. We probably used a couple here even in our interview. Uh, but at the same, I just used one there. But when you, but something like that, I might not cut out, for example, something like that it's so connected to the next idea that it almost flows naturally. Inversely, if we're talking and then there's this, um, like this kind of slower, kind of less deliberate yeah. delivery, that's something where maybe you can shrink it and have a little bit more uh, editing that happens there. The other thing I'll tell people sometimes, and this is really based on the conversation, and this I think takes a little bit more of an ear for and narrative to your point earlier. If you get into a question, like let's say you've got your list of questions and you formatted them in a way that makes sense in the story arc, but then you go off more on the tangent with the person and there's questions that you ask that might make sense in another part of the interview to come first. Those are yep. things where if it sounds natural, if you're asking kind of an opening question to lead you in and their final phrase kind of leads you out of that section, moving entire sections like that is something that can help give a little bit more contour to the episode. But yeah, at the same sure. time, it has to have, like we were just saying, that beginning and an end of that section, like that chapter has to end and start yeah. properly. I mean, we've, we've had situations where at the end of the interview, we're like, oh, wait, we didn't get this and we promised you we would. So we're going to insert that here. And that's where it's nice to have a producer in a recording, um, somebody who's listening for the content who can say, like, we missed something critical. We need to get it in. By the way, the question you asked right before, I'm going to cut it in as this. So why don't you get into it by saying something like this? You know, there's there's ways that if you have somebody who's kind of external from the interview and is listening um, with the eye and how to edit it, you can build those things in seamlessly. Um, we also have guests who just, like, completely fall flat on uh, an answer, um, and then we we give them a, the ability to kind of like take a pause, 
redo that, <laughs> you know, right. like, uh, um, the other, uh, we, we sometimes have people who have restrictions as well on what they can say and can't say. Um, so we've gotten quite used to, uh, what, what we basically say is like nothing in an, in an interview, um, has to stay in if you have a prohibition on saying it. So right. like, let's just have a conversation and then, you know, we'll, we'll go back later and, and clip stuff out if we need to. Um, and when we're doing that, sometimes it's good to have extra content that you can kind of, uh, fill with if you need to. So there's a lot of things that you can do that way when you have that external producer kind of sitting there, making sure that the pieces of the show are all hit. Um, I'm notorious for forgetting intros and pauses and stuff like that. Like, uh, even with a script in front of me, I, I can't always follow it. It's just kind of how my brain works. And so having a producer is like, you know, we missed the, <laughs> the, the segue into, you know, the second ad, um, spot. So why don't you go back and say that and, <laughs> and so on. So yeah, the construction pieces, I've always found in interviews where I'm responsible for even hitting the record button and having the conversation at the same time, I'm still a little bit distracted. So like, did I hit the record button? And I kind of worry about that the whole time. Um, and so th that's another thing to kind of look for is like, what, where's your head going to be? And everybody's different. Everybody thinks differently. So you, you've got to pay attention to like, how do I respond to these situations? Certainly. And it's such a small thing that you said, too, when you're the recording engineer, the producer and the host. You know, you may have thought you hit record. Everyone always says, here's the checklist of things. Make sure yeah. you hit record. I can't tell you how many times I haven't hit record on an interview. Gratefully, yeah. it's a small amount, but it's happened to all of us. And you're talking to uh, people who are professional podcasters pretty continuously. So like you said, yeah. having somebody whose whole job and whole role is to make what you're doing sound good, but also make sure that they have something to edit that's super important too. Yeah. I, I can remember the time we were at a conference and we interviewed a CEO of a pretty prominent company and I kicked the power cord and we were using a Zoom that um, didn't have the autosave feature. And uh, we, we had to say, hey, um, so that was a great interview. <laughs> and and what are you doing at four o'clock? <laughs> <laughs> can you reproduce that, please? Yeah, can you reproduce that? And yeah. You know, and, and the the other fun thing is you get to learn how to handle stuff like that. So Yep, as it turns out. <laughs> now let's talk a little bit. We've talked a lot about the production side here. Um, for businesses that are looking to have a podcast, what are some of the values for businesses to bring podcasting into their place of work? Um, can you clarify a little bit on what you yeah, mean by that? Yeah. Certainly. So when we think about what we've been talking about most recently is how to get a great quality podcast, but for businesses who are considering bringing whether internal communications or you mean like what's the why? Podcasts, yeah. What is the reason where a company may decide, Hey, you know what? Podcasting to one degree or another would be a great thing for us to bring into our company. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it gets down a little bit to the why, right? Like, why why do I need this? And I think um, any podcast that you start, you really have to be spot on on why am I doing this? Um, so 
there's a lot of reasons you can bring a, a podcast into the company. So uh, as I mentioned, like we do podcasts for ADA compliance. Like maybe you need something that will help somebody who's visually impaired so that they have a, the opportunity to have the same experience as other people in the company. Um, there's also uh, a humanization. So one of the projects that we did was major transition of leadership at a you know Fortune 500 company. And um, how do we build rapport Everybody knows this person, but they don't know this person in this role. How do we bring and build the rapport as that person transitions into this new state of leadership and builds a new team around them? Um, and so there's there's that like uh, need in a company, perhaps. Um, you may also have uh, critical things that need to get out um, for compliance. How do I make a compliance program that will actually be engaged with and listened to? So there, there's a lot of different reasons. Um, we've we've done things that are more about product uh, like training and and getting people to connect with um, new products that are being offered so that they can speak comfortably in a customer service perspective. So there's there's a lot of different use cases that come up with podcasts. The thing that um, that we always kind of talk about is that podcasts are a secondary medium, not a primary. If you're watching video, you're only watching video. And that's because of the amount of information your body processes. Um, you know, you have visual, you have audio, you're reading the, the body cues, you have sympathetic neurons firing. Like the, when you're looking at a video, that's a, that's a whole different type of engagement. When you have a podcast, it can sit in the background. You can drive to work and listen to a podcast at the same time. Um, and so there's there's opportunities to deliver information. Um, we've we've seen podcasts used. We haven't done this ourselves, but we've seen them used for delivering uh, sales information and sales training in the field, so that the that person is ready to walk into a sales situation and has um, the knowledge like primed up in their head as they go into that situation because they're able to play it on the drive over to a client. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of reasons like that. Um, and then there's the external reaching and there's, you know, a, a thousand reasons why to do it on that side. If you're in Ron, you can do a true crime podcast and maybe that's a way of monetizing. Um, but, <laughs> but if you're, um, if you're building a podcast to, as a, let's say you're a consultant with high ticket clients, well, how do I close more business with, um, people and how do I highlight the successes I've had? Podcasts are great for that. Um, if you are a, a mid-career executive, you can use podcasts to build your net um, network and use it to transition. And we have people that we've worked with where they've actually switched industries using a podcast to gain the knowledge that they, they need to have. So it really comes down to like what's my specific why and then how do I build content that matches that? Um, and that can be internal or external. Now, marketing and branding, there's a lot of opportunities there, and there's also a lot of opportunities to do that wrong. <laughs> um, and I think it's the difference, like that's where being the listener advocate comes in. Um, there are a few companies out there that can do a podcast about themselves, and it can be interesting. But most of them need to be doing a podcast about their customers <laughs> and, um, and a podcast about other people. <laughs> and, and that kind of gets missed, I think, uh, sometimes as well. Right. And I like how you're saying that there has to be a purpose and a big why. And we talk about that a lot. 
Uh, you know, it's not just, hey, podcasting is huge, so let's just make 14 episodes advertising the services that we provide. There has to be value to it. And, you know, when I say advertising, that really insinuates more of a public-facing content. I also mean that for internal content also. You know, if you're thinking about building a podcast for your internal audience, you need to think about, okay, cool, and I love that you brought up the ADA compliancy. You know, we often think of a podcast as a really engaging medium. This could be something that does serve the need for people who, you know, maybe need that as opposed to seeing something uh, read or something visual. That's a huge component of it. Um, when it comes to training, there's lots of things like you said. If a, if a remote worker is going to visit a client, then they can review information that's going on currently with the company as well as maybe um, new case studies or new pieces of training that they know to be well prepared for what's coming. Really, like you said, there's a lot of different ways for the internal side. For the public side, I've always thought that it's really creative how businesses decide to leverage podcasts. Uh, there are some podcasters that we work with that use their company branded podcast as lead generation as ways to bring in more employees. Um, there have been a lot of podcasts that have been used to simply build the company as a thought leader in the specific space that they're in. You know, there's so many different uses for why someone would want to start a podcast that, uh, yeah, I think I agree with you. There's a thousand reasons we could go into, but yeah. it serves a different need. Um, one thing on that is when you build the why, you then also need to measure the why. Right. And one of the things that we always found was like, we'd, we'd have a client who was like, what are my audience numbers? And it's like, well, you know, that is that actually the KPI that you're measuring? Right. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I shared with you, you know, in, in a different situation, I shared a, a story about our best client um, had no audience. Right. And, um, you know, we were at a trade show, we had a client and he wanted to build relationships with people. Um, and we set up 10 interviews with, uh, really targeted. We, we built a podcast, we recorded these interviews and they closed $2 million and we never aired the interviews on that show. We never released that show. Um, and the purpose was get these people into the podcast, in, um, into the podcast booth that we had built in this guy's booth at the trade show and uh doing that you know they they walked there they built the relationship and then after that conference he was able to go on and close them for that amount of business we ended up releasing those shows on a different show and and sort of like putting a different bumper on it and going back to them and saying like hey you know we we decided you get more reach if we released it on this um, the show instead of the one that we were recording. Sure. And so this is like a service to you and, and, you know, um, but, but yeah, zero audience, the show never released that show ne never existed. And that's like the, the KPI there was more business and, you know, $2 million in business <laughs> is not bad. Um, and so that's, that's kind of the thing is, we, we've had situations in the past where we had to stop reporting audience numbers because people were starting to do things on the podcast um, that got them away from their core KPI. And so that's the other thing to keep in mind is like if, if you're doing an internal podcast, do you need the entire company to listen or do you need 10 people to listen? Is this for this sales team or is this for the company? And knowing what it is and knowing what the impact is of the podcast allows you to de design everything from the delivery mechanism to the content and how you create it. 
Certainly. And again, something like that can't be understated either. The fact that maybe your company goes, you know, we want to create a podcast. And when you think of a podcast, it's often very singular, but there's nothing wrong with creating podcast content that's specific for your sales team or for your marketing team or stuff that does go out globally to your entire workforce. But if you think of just a podcast, okay, cool, we're just going to blast every piece of content. It's just like, again, a show that talks about everything. You're going to have a lot of people who tune in, but the level of engagement over time may wane as opposed to, okay, cool, this piece of content is made for you, for your specific niche, for your specific job role, and it's going to deliver on these promises. It's going to give you this information. You're going to have more people who tend to tune in. The level of engagement is going to be higher. And like you said, do you need a 1,000 people to listen to it, or is it really only segmented maybe for your leadership team of 100, 200 people across the organization? You know, There's so many different ways to think about that. Yeah, you can have an incredibly powerful podcast with 50 listeners if they're the 50 right listeners. And you can have an ineffective podcast with 2,000 listeners if it's not actually having the impact that you want it to have. So, yeah, it's, it's know the why and then know how to measure it and know how to design it for that specific thing. Certainly. And the last question I want to get into before we uh, bring our interview to a close here, given your experience, what are some tips for podcasters who have a growing show or maybe want to go pro in their offerings as editors or producers? Like, let's say, you know what, they go, you know what, we want to go ahead and just at least try to do it on our own. Maybe this is a way for them to see why they would want to bring your services in, or maybe they're just starting their podcast, they're really excited. And they're like, you know what, I want to be the catch all do all for everything. Um, what are some tips that you could give them for uh, for growing their show and for maybe doing that level of going pro? Yeah, so you know, growing a show organically takes forever. Sure. Um, and what what we found was that the first two years, you don't get a lot of traction if you're just going organic. And then in that third year, it starts to pick up. But in in that time frame, it's all word of mouth and, and if you're not marketing it and if you're not growing it in specific ways, what when we were building industry-specific shows and our focus was on the guests, our audience kind of took care of itself and, and like built over time and then all of a sudden we had a large audience. Um, so there's, there's like a knowing the audience curve uh, is really helpful. Like how long does it take to get a a show up and off the ground, which is one of the reasons why it's it's necessary to know what your KPI is so that you can kind of be really focused on, does this even make sense? And, and like, am I having the impact I wanted to have? And then you can be surprised later on by um, how the audience has grown in, in the past. Uh, I think now there's a lot of opportunities for more live engagement and doing like a, a show that's recorded live with video and then released in a podcast form. There's a lot of new, newer ways. Um, quite frankly, the pandemic has been a blessing in some ways because it, it's forced us to experiment with different platforms and things that might be difficult to rework a studio to do are a lot easier when everybody is expected to be remote. Um, and it kind of shifts also the expectation of the sound. So you can do a lot more in, in that way and you know, you can, Recorded on Restream and uh, and then launch it out to a lot of different places like that. So that's kind of a, a nice thing. Um, as far as like growing your show, there's there's 
different ways as well to grow larger audiences. Quite frankly, it's not what mouth media does, which is another key thing is like, if, if you're choosing a company, know what they specialize in. Right. As I mentioned, like we specialize in building the relationships. So we, our clients are consultants who want to grow their practice and they know that if they get to 10 people, that's an extra hundred thousand right. dollars. Um, so that's like a very specific niche. Um, we don't do mass audience shows, but there's people like, Pacific content who are incredible at building mass media shows and you should go and work with them if that's kind of what you're targeting and what you're going for. So really knowing the editor that you're thinking about working with and what they do and how it matches with what your goals are is one of the important things to, to really think about and look at. Um, and then the other side is there's, there's a lot of hacks and, and tips and ways to build audience don't hire somebody who, from overseas who says they're a um, professional at, at growing audience and it turns out that it's all clickbait. Like that's getting numbers up for the sake of numbers is frankly not smart or responsible. Right. Um, you want to make sure that you have actual people listening to you. So um, don't, there, there's no fast way to grow a podcast audience, but there are smart ways to. So one of the things to keep in mind is that an audio listener is an audio listener and you're, you're looking for a share of ears with people. The way to get that is usually to advertise on other podcasts. You know, like there's, um, you already are a listener at that point and you can capture people who are already listeners and convert them to new content far easier than you can convince somebody who's reading something to switch to audio. So really like, Staying inside of the podcast ecosystem and putting your money there to grow an audience is, is a lot smarter than um, trying to convert. Uh, um, and then there's, there's tools like we have tools that allow us to get uh, content um, recorded from a podcast out to any size audience we want. Um, we can actually deliver a transcript that's interactive inside of other people's media. Excuse me. And you know, like that, that's a way to just get content out there. But again, that doesn't convert to listenership because right. they're reading it. And so um, we, we found it's, it's like less than 1% converts when you're doing that. Um, so that's kind of something like the, think about the medium, think about how people are consuming it, and then go to where those people are. Um, and then there's a lot you can do around structuring what content you record in the show to use it in a lot of other mediums. So you can also think of a podcast as a platform for content that then you use in a lot of different ways. So it's, it's a great flexible medium for that. Um, I think it was uh, Russell Brunson who wrote about how he, he basically stacks all of the content he needs inside of what he calls a master show. And it includes a podcast episode, but it also includes like a top 10 list and it, it includes um, a monologue and it includes blah, blah, blah. And the monologue becomes the medium post and the top 10 list becomes the Instagram post. And the podcast episode goes out as a podcast episode and the whole thing is recorded live and et cetera, et cetera. And that, you know, like that can also be a way to think about this is how do I um, take advantage of the fact that I'm generating content at a specific time and kind of build around that as well. Right. So basically using the time that you, for example, are sitting down to record your podcast or record whatever to leverage into other ways. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's hugely important, too, because you turn around and you say, well, 
for a podcast and growing a podcast. You can definitely activate your audience during the show. You know, you can say, hey, if you like what you hear, please feel free to, you know, share it. You hear YouTubers say it all the time. You hear podcasters say it all the time, even internally. You know, so you can definitely activate your audience to tell other people about what you're doing. That's a great strategy for growth. But at the same time, like you said, there's all of these other facets that you can consider. You know, you can all of a sudden and say, you know what? I want to get my podcast into a different set of eyes and ears. Um, let's use ears mostly for podcasts. Where can I do that? Let's advertise my podcast on other shows. It's a great tool. And all the research tends to show that people who listen to podcasts are pretty engaged with the content. They also understand that the advertising sometimes goes towards helping a podcaster fund their shows. So they see that a lot of the times they'll see that and go, you know what, maybe I won't skip it. I'll just go ahead and play through it. And a lot of the times that's a really powerful way of just advertising in general. But as it comes to your podcast, there is no end to what you can do with that. And I love the fact that you said using the time for one thing to do everything else too. Because if you're sitting down saying, I have, let's say, an hour to record my podcast. You know, first off, no, does my podcast need to be an hour? A lot of people just like to sit down and they like to just go. You know, maybe does your podcast need to be an hour? Could it be a half hour? If it's yeah. a half hour show and you're getting the same kind of content, it's more condensed. Maybe that extra half hour could be used towards you know, creating other sorts of lead generative content. Maybe it could be used if you're the person who's handling uh, the graphics. Maybe you're the person that can do that, create the headline or the short content, whatever. Or in this case, like you talked about, make other pieces of content within that timeline. It's such a smart strategy to leverage that because also it makes sure that you're uh, you're owning all of that experience and you know, okay, the podcast is what it is, or in this person's case, um, the main piece of medium content is what it is, but then they have all these other ways to promote the product also. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, it's a great platform, a really great platform, but you know, a, a platform has to be used. Um, and <laughs> Uh, what you don't want to do is produce a show and then a year later be like, oh, I should have promoted that. Um, right. So, and, and look, I'm, I'm guilty of it. It's the sort of thing where like, I'm really good at doing this for clients. I'm not really good at doing it for myself. So um, that's, that's usually the way it goes too. It's, it's often easier to do this on behalf of other people than it is to talk about yourself. Of course. But that's kind of like you said uh, earlier, right? Bring in somebody to help you kind of be your, uh, be the eyes to your eyes, if you will. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think this has been a great conversation. There's a lot of different things that we've been able to dive into here. Uh, the last thing I want to give you the opportunity to do is let people know where they can find out more about Mouth Media, find more about you and be able to enlist your services. Yeah. So you can reach out to me at rob at mouthmedianetwork.com. Um, and then you also can find out more about our shows at mouthmedianetwork.com. Uh, so fairly easy to get to us. Um, and that's usually the better place to start than trying to find us on Instagram or anything like that. Um, and you can look up the shows from there, uh, since there's a lot of different ones that you can go to. 
Perfect. And Rob, thank you so much for making the time to come on and chat about uh, producing a podcast, giving insight to businesses as to why uh, it's worth bringing podcasting into their place of work. Uh, For everybody listening and watching, thank you so much for checking out this episode of Podcasting Smarter. We have a lot of, if you're a listener currently, we have a lot more great episodes coming. If you're just joining us for the first time, subscribe to us over on all the podcasting apps. Over on the Podbean app, you can subscribe to our various social media channels over on YouTube, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And once again, thank you for checking out this episode. If you're looking to host a podcast, www.podbean.com. We are the best way to host a podcast and give you all different tools you could need to create the podcast you need to, whether it's for entertainment or whether it's for your company, company branded or internal podcasts. Uh, Once again, Rob, thank you so much for joining us and everybody enjoy this episode and have a great day.